This is Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. Hey, welcome to Can I Laugh on Your Shoulder. I'm Molly Stillman, and this is a podcast where I get to sit down with a different guest each week and have raw, funny, often brutally honest conversations about the things that matter most, faith, business, life, and everything in between, where we each learn how to be good stewards of the things we've been entrusted with, even our stories, and how we can use those things to serve others and leave our families, our friendships, and our communities a little better than we found them. I want to create a space where people are unafraid to be themselves and unafraid to ask the questions the rest of us are thinking. My goal is to make you laugh, cry, and laugh till you cry. My guest this week is the incredible Jody Burnt. Jody is the best-selling author of the Praying the Scriptures book series, which includes volumes for children, teens, adult children, and life, plus a brand new one called Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage, which just released in April. Jody has been a trusted speaker, Bible teacher, prayer warrior for over 30 years. She and her husband, Robbie, have four children, and they live in Virginia Beach. I was so honored to sit down with Jody. She is absolutely incredible. She just has such a depth and a deep well of wisdom. And I loved this conversation all around marriage. And whether you are married or not married or engaged, this conversation is going to be so helpful because we talk a lot about what prayer looks like on as just a basic everyday spiritual practice. So if you are not married, I promise you, you're going to get something out of this episode. And if you are married, you are going to love it. So without further ado, let's get on to my conversation with Jody Burnt. Jody, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Oh, gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I look forward to our conversation. I will come right out and just say that years ago, and I say years ago, probably within the last like six or seven years, when I I'd, I had my first daughter in 2013, <laughs> what day is it? What year is it? I don't know. <laughs> and somebody had gifted me a copy of the Praying Scriptures Over Your Children book. And um, I have just loved your work. And I'm just really excited um, about your newest book, Praying Scriptures Over Your Marriage. And I'm just excited to meet you. So welcome. You you Also, the fact that you live in an area where I used to live, I just feel like there's a there's a connection. Definite here. connection. I love Definite it. connection. I love, I love it. it. I love it. Absolutely. Two East Coast girls here. I getting know. Time to chat. So good. I love it. Well, so let's dive right in and have you give us the Jody 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Oh gosh, the 101. I love it. Um, well, I have been married to my husband, Robbie, for th- almost 38 years. We both awesome. went to the University of Virginia. I went in as a pretty strong evangelical Christian. He came in as somebody who had gone to church in his life, but was much more, that certainly wasn't shaping his life at mm-hmm. all. And so I met him. I thought he was cute, set him up with one of my sorority sisters who I thought would be a perfect fit. And as it turned out, you know, we became very good friends and then our friendship sort of blossomed. And then when he decided that he actually did want to have uh, a relationship with the Lord that colored more than just an occasional Sunday, um, we really kind of saw our love relationship take off. And so we got married right out of college, married young. And we were, I think, 21 and 22. 
and we have four children who are all grown now. They are married, having kids of their own. Any minute, we're expecting our third and fourth grandbabies. So that's very fun. I think by the time this episode airs, I really hope at least one of those two is out into the world. And let's see how I got where I am. Well, um, I write books, as you know, but I certainly never started out writing books. You know, there's a verse, uh, Colossians 3, verse 23 says, whatever your hand finds to do, work at it with all your might Mm -hmm. as working for the Lord. And that's kind of been um, like, I'm not one of these people that picks life verses, but if I had to pick one, I might say, well, that's kind of been how I've lived because Mm -hmm. pretty much anything I plan to do doesn't really work out. But when I have, when something comes my way and I just begin working at it, when God opens a door, um, it's been really fun to see what happens. So I was actually working in television. I was doing some on-air work, uh, writing and producing a show called The 700 Club out of uh, Christian Broadcasting Network. Yes, I have and been on The 700 Club. I would just go. like to say that I'm in a weird club that has been on The 700 Club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you and I share that then. That is very fun. But we moved with my husband's job from Virginia to Georgia. We, we moved to Atlanta. And I went to a Bible study because at that point I'd had uh, three of our four children and I was like looking for any place where they had childcare, you know, and I thought, okay, I'll go to a Bible study on Wednesday and another one on Thursday, any, anywhere where I might make friends and somebody will watch my kids for an hour and a half. And um, I sat next to a lady whose husband was an author, but he also ran a business and didn't have time to keep writing books. And she said, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I write TV and I, and she said, oh, you're a writer. You should write for my husband. And I thought, no, no, I write things like up next. I write words like stay tuned. You know, I don't write paragraphs, long books. Um, But we met and I did, I discovered I really did love writing longer form. And I wrote books for him. His name was Ron Blue. They were financial planning books, which was wonderful because I got to learn a lot while I wrote for him. Um, And then began writing my own books when actually the publisher called me and said, hey, do you have anything on your heart you want to write? We'd love to keep working with you. So um, kind of fell backwards into writing, but it's been a fun journey. That is so cool. Um, okay. And I just have to ask this question because I'm just curious for my, and and maybe the answer is no. <laughs> the Bible study, what kind of Bible study was it? Was it a, like a specific kind of Bible study or was it just like a... You know, great question. It was, it was probably a Bible study based around parenting things because that's oh. what I was looking for at that time. It was in Atlanta uh, at a church there that's still thriving. It's called Church of the Apostles. And I just wandered in and found some older women who were willing to pour into me and into my little kids. And I, I learned it. a lot. I love it. I love it. Because I was like, is it Bible study fellowship? Do we also have that? No, connection? but I've done that. And I love that. And I always say, boy, if you want a good Bible study where you will learn stuff, do Bible study fellowship. I have loved that. I'm a Bible study yep. fellowship evangelist over here. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girls. Our hearts it. are the same. I, I love know. it. I love it. Okay. Well, I love that story of just kind of, uh, you said, falling backwards into writing. And I'm also married to a financial advisor. So, I mean, there's, oh, I mean, good. once again, Jody, it's just all there. Um, <laughs> so when the publisher came to you and says, hey, we'd really love to start working with you. We'd, you know, what's on your heart? Is that when the Praying Through the Scriptures series kind of was born or what, where, how no, did you even you know, begin to that- pray through what this, you know, what you were yeah. called to, to write? Well, um, that's a great question. And no, that first book I did on my own was called Celebration of Miracles. And the publisher was saying, you know, we think miracles are going to be a really hot topic. I guess they sit around in their offices and say, (laughs) what do you think people are going to want to read about? You know, we think publishing is so romantic where, oh, I have this great idea. And they might be like, no, we don't think anybody's going to care about that. We think people care about this. Yeah. So they they said, well, you write about miracles. And um, so my first book was about that. But then, you know, 
I was praying for my kids because we had these four kids in six years and I knew I couldn't do it on my own. I needed a lot of help. And um, as I was praying and as I was using the Bible to help shape my prayers, I was involved with a group called Moms in Prayer that meets for just an hour every week. And I love it because it's just an hour a week. They start on time. They end on time. They cover a lot of ground for praying for your kids. But one of the things they do is use scripture to animate our prayers. For example, you want your uh, kids to make smart decisions or be wise. Um, You could just say, Lord, help them be wise. Or you could take a prayer out of Colossians 1 and say, you know, fill my child Robbie with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. May he please you in every way. Mm. So that is like such a better prayer than I would come up with on my own. It's more creative. It's more powerful because it's coming out of God's word. And so I began to love kind of not just reading my Bible, I say, but praying it where Mm. I'd be reading along and something like Psalm 4610 would just pop into my eyes, like be still and know that I am God. That's what that verse says. And I would be reading it and I think, oh, you know what? I don't really feel still. I feel kind of agitated and worried right now. Let me stop and pray that, that my heart could be still, that I could trust God, that I could know he's in control. He's sovereign. He's God. You know, I can quiet my heart. I can be still. So that's what I mean when I say praying the scriptures. It's just taking the words we read in the Bible and using that to shape not just the way we think about things, but the way we talk to God about things. So I was doing that with my kids and I thought, you know, this is really exciting because my prayer life's getting more interesting. You know, I was somebody who grew up in the church, but my experience with prayer was not a whole bunch more than saying grace before meals and things like the Lord's prayer. Or, you know, if I'm in college and I have a big exam coming up, I might ask God to help me. But I didn't really understand the kind of the conversation it Mm. could be with Mm. God and how he could shape my thoughts, my desires, my longings through his word and 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 almost initiate some of those prayers as I would pray them to him. And so um, I just got excited about that and saw things happening in our family's life. And so I reached out to the publisher again. I said, hey, would you all be interested in a book about how we can use the Bible to pray the scriptures for our children? And they said, yeah, let's do it. So we did it. And it was fun. And um, I sent out a survey to people before I started writing that book. And um, it, this this was back in the dark ages when there was no survey monkey or Facebook or anything. <laughs> the surveys were actually, oh, I see your little pup right there behind you. I love it. Oh, we share dog. I love for dogs as well. Um, but I sent out this survey on an actual piece of paper. I'd put it in my Christmas cards or I'd give it to you on the grocery store line if I saw you or the preschool pickup line. And the survey just said, you know, what would you like God to do for your family, for your mm. children? Like if you could ask him anything. And you can imagine the stuff people wanted because, you know, you're a mom, you would probably say the same thing. You want my child to be healthy and safe. You want them to have a love for the Lord or a love for his word. You want them to have character traits like kindness and compassion and selflessness and wisdom, all of those things. You might even be praying for your child's future, for their purpose in life, their eventual marriage partner, their job, any of that. So people answered with all these things. And I took really the top 20, the things that came up again and again that had to do with things like our kids' relationships, their friendships, you know, their character, their future, all that. And that became the table of contents for Mm. the first book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children, because I was like, all right, let's see what the Bible has to say about all these different needs we have. And um, that's how it came about. Wow. Okay. So long 101 answer. I love it. This is no, (laughs) there are no apologies on this show, Jody. Okay. So there is no accidents. I love it. 
So that obviously led you down a path because there is obviously a lot of things in this life that need prayer, arguably everything. And so there's no shortage of topics that you can really pray through scripture. Um, And so before we we kind of transition to your most recent uh, addition to the Praying the Scriptures collection, I had kind of as you were talking and as you were, I'm just curious, as you were writing all of these books, you don't even have to say not just the first one, but I'm curious for you, how has really putting this practice into or putting all of what you've learned into practice, but also as you've written these books and done the research and, and, you know, really uh, taken scripture and just marinated it in it in every single way, how has that changed you and how you have really implemented these things in your own life, in your personal walk and your personal study time and your personal prayer life that is separate from what you do for a living. Because I know that for people who work in some type of ministry and you know, even writing books as a ministry, that can be hard to separate yeah. the work and personal aspect of it. Um, so I'm curious how that has worked for you. Well, that's another great question. And one that I'll just be very honest and tell you, people will often introduce me when I'm speaking or on a show like this. And they'll say, today, you know, we're hearing from prayer expert, Jody Burnt, or prayer warrior. And I just am like, oh, whoa, whoa. You know, I I don't consider myself an expert or a a warrior. I consider myself somebody who's really aware of her own need Mm. for God, for his help, for his provision. And so personally, yes, I, I mean, I wrote the books because I like to make prayer doable. I meet people all the time who say, you know, Jody, I've been in church my whole life, but nobody's ever taught me to pray. I don't even, it's awkward for me. It's unfamiliar. How do you do it? So I wrote them as a tool, but I'll tell you what they, what the whole concept of praying scripturally has done for me is that it's given me a tool. It's given me um, things to make my own prayer life more interesting and creative, not just the same repetitive you know, God bless Johnny prayers over and over again. Not that there's anything wrong with a God bless Johnny prayer or a God help me prayer. I think those are great prayers, but it made praying more engaging to me. It made reading my Bible more relevant and more fun because I'd be like, okay, here I'm reading about the disciples and how they're out in the middle of the lake in a storm and they're straining at the oars, but Jesus has told them to go take the boat across the lake. So they're obeying him, but it's really hard. And I'm reading that and suddenly I'm realizing, God, help me obey you, you know, even when it's really hard. Like it, it gives me a whole another way of letting the Bible animate my own life and, and help shape my prayers. So so that's probably the number one thing it's done is just make it come alive in a whole new way. That's such a great perspective. And I really love your honesty there. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not an expert. Like I'm right there along with you. And um, I've, you know, my, my good friend, Sharon, who we kind of briefly talked about before, you know, she's talked about too, how in some of the books that she's written, it's almost like God is like working on that message in her as she's writing it. And I, Absolutely. I that's, it's almost like you have to exercise within yourself and like your heart, like the, what the overflow is what really pours out onto the paper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You have to grapple with that stuff because I think the best stuff comes out of the wrestle. Yes. You know? um, people will say to me, oh, I don't want to be praying about the little things in my life. Like God's got famine and war and, and, you know, 
uh, world peace, what, whatever. He's got cancer on his mind and, and I don't want to be talking to him about my child and whether or not they make the field hockey team or, you know, my husband's new job or the, they say, I, I had one lady say, I don't want to be clogging the lines. And I thought, you know, I can understand that because I think I used to feel that way. But then I remember not having a refrigerator one time and it didn't work. And, you know, we had to get rid of it and the new one wouldn't fit the holes. And then we had to bring the cabinet maker in and it got to be, yes, a privileged person's problem because it was a refrigerator, but it was still affecting our family. And I started praying about it, that God would provide, you know, the right cabinet, the right refrigerator. And I thought, talk about clogging the lines. I'm talking about my refrigerator, but I'll tell you what, when we got the new model, which was better than anything I could have dreamed and, and looked great in the kitchen, I was so grateful for that. And I thanked God for that. And I never would have had that level of acknowledging his provision had I not prayed about it. And I think sometimes when we pray about the little things, it lets us live with a sense of greater gratitude mm. so that we can say, Lord, wow, you provided that. Thank you. Whereas if we never brought him into the conversation about some of the smaller things in life, we might just think, oh, yeah, I got that job or, yeah, you know, I found the right mother of the bride dress. I mean, I have had four kids get married and I've prayed about what to wear and yeah. this stuff. But, but in so doing, I've been able to say, thank you, Lord. You know, I'm horrible at fashion. Thank you for providing. So. <laughs> OK, I I love this because. I also struggled with this for a really long time. And it was actually in dun, 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 BSF this year that um, one of the study, one of the stories that we studied. So we were studying, we were in deep, deep in the recesses of the Old Testament this year, deep. And there were a lot of stuff that as many times as I've read through the Bible had never read before. And we got to the story of Elisha with the floating axe head. And if, if you are like, what story is this? The, the long and the short of it is, there's these guys who are kind of following the prophet Elisha and they're like, we want to build, we like, we're out of room. We need to build a new place to, to live and to worship and to follow you, Elisha. And Elisha's like, okay, fine, go ahead, do that. And so they go and they, they go to the river and they're getting logs and stuff. And there's this guy and he's got this iron axe and he goes and he like goes to chop some wood and the iron axe head flies off and it goes into the river and sinks to the bottom. And he's just like, oh, no, I lost my axe head. Like, this is no, terrible. no, no. It was a borrowed. It was a borrowed yeah. axe. Yeah, head. it was. And he was like, yeah. I borrowed yeah. it. Yeah. And oh, my gosh. You know, and we just and he's like, what am I going to do? And it's just like his borrowed axe head. And Elisha, and basically, like, you know, long story short, God makes, you know, through Elisha, the axe head just float to the surface. And then he just walks in the river and he grabs it. And kind of like, and then I just love that story because it just kind of moves on. <laughs> so you're like, yes. why is this story here? And so we spent a lot of time talking about this story. And, you know, there's a lot of different angles that you can kind of come to because you can talk about, oh, well, the, the value of iron at the time, this would have been a really expensive thing to borrow and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is, is like, it really taught us that God cares about the little things. Like it just on the surface, it doesn't really seem like a thing that this guy should be losing sleep over. Like, but we really took away from that is like, pray about everything from yeah, floating yeah. axe heads to the salvation of your children, like run the gamut of prayers. And so it taught me this year to, to stretch my prayers and that God cares about those little prayers. And I put this to test one night. I'm gonna tell a quick story and then we're gonna transition. So we have a livestock guardian dog who roams about our property 
but we have we live on 12 and a half acres so we don't have uh, a fence that can go around the property so she has a gps fence collar so basically when she gets to the edge of her fence line it kind of beeps and then if she were to go out it kind of gives her a shock and people are like shock collars are terrible i'm like you tell a great pyrenees <laughs> to not run into the road and right. whatever right. we can have a conversation yeah. anyway and and they they learn we have they shock learn, learn so quick. they don't get shocked <laughs> they learn very quick she does not yeah. go beyond her line in any event these collars are not cheap like they're the one we have was many hundreds. If I, I think it was close to over, maybe even over $1,000. It was really expensive, but it was a great investment. Anyway, one morning, I, or sorry, it was like the middle of the night. It's like three in the morning. For some reason, the Lord woke me up and I hear my dog going crazy outside. So I go out to investigate. So I grab a flashlight. It's pitch black dark because we live in the country. And I notice my livestock guardian dog does not have her collar on. And so I'm like, this is not good. This means her GPS collar has fallen off and is somewhere in the grass. Somewhere in 12 and a half acres. In 12 and a half acres. Because oh. <laughs> I don't oh. have a way to like search for the collar because we don't have that part of the service. That's, that was expensive. We were just like, no, we just need the fence. <laughs> well, so I'm, I stand there in the middle of our yard in the pitch black dark. I can't see anything. And I have this flashlight and I just say, okay, Lord. Ah, uh, this is going to sound real stupid, but I need you to help me find this collar. <laughs> Amen. Would you know it within about 45 seconds, I found the collar. And I, mm-hmm. I still to this day, I'm like, how did I find the collar in the middle of the dark, in the middle of the night? And I just was like, thank you, Lord. I'm going to never, we're never going to lose this collar again, you know. And, but anyway, it sounds stupid and it sounds very privileged. Yes, like my very expensive dog collar. But I was just thinking to myself, like, this is, a, this would be catastrophic for us if we had to order another one. We can't, I mean, she, it's, it puts her, her life in danger if we don't have it, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, so all of that to say is I love your perspective on just praying for the little things because it really does transform your relationship with the Lord and you begin to see him in the details. In the details, and I love that story that you shared because I think it just points to the father heart of God in the same way as we care about the details of our children's lives. He cares about the details of our lives and that, you know, talking to him about a lost dog collar (laughs) is it just shows relationship. And really, at the end of the day, that's what prayer is all about because God, you know, could orchestrate anything he wants. You know, he could make it rain one day, not rain the other day. He could heal somebody here, not heal somebody there, whatever. And he does that all through scripture, you see. But so often in the Bible, you see him waiting on the prayers of his people. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because he wants that relationship. He could have either never had the dog collar fall off, or he could have had it fall off and land right outside your porch. So you'd stub your toe on it and never think to pray about it. Yeah. But instead... He arranged things so that you would talk to him and so that he could answer because he's longing for that connection, that relationship with us. So really, you know, prayer isn't so much about getting things from God as it is about getting God, getting to know him better and getting to have that connection. And so I love your story for what it speaks to the power of that connection and how much he cares. So good. So good. Okay, well, so on the topic of prayer and then kind of reshifting, 
you just released, or uh, forgive me, when did it come? Does it, has it, it out yet? The pray, praying the scriptures for your marriage released April 25th. April, okay, so yes, it is out and already. it's done. I've been really excited to see how well it's done and to see how many people have been reaching out to me via my website or on DMs or other things, just with um, different little nuggets they've taken out. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've thought it was just like the other books, kind of a joy because not every chapter pertains to my own life or my own marriage. Right. I love how God has brought it together and brought stories from other people in so that there's something in there for everybody. So awesome. So obviously you shared at the beginning that you and your awesome husband have been married almost 38 years, which congratulations. That is amazing and such an inspiration to me. Um, my husband and I will, are coming up on, well, we, so we've been together 13 years. We just celebrated 11 years back in February. And, okay. um, and I always say like one of my ultimate life goals is it to be at the wedding of my grandchildren someday or great grandchildren, if Lord willing, and to win the longest marriage dance. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> or like they say like, sit down if you've been married, you know, like less than five years or whatever. I want to be up there and I want to be real old and like making out with my husband on the dance floor. And everybody's going to be like, That is an awesome life goal. I I love it. I want that. That's my goal. (laughs) Um, So what was the, the catalyst for writing this book now? And why is it that you are so passionate about prayer in marriage as you are about other areas of your life? The catalyst was that people kept asking for it. Yeah. I I would go, I'd speak or people would um, reach out to me again uh, over social media or other things saying, when are you going to write about book for marriages? And honestly, I started out with a, well, I'm not going to, because on my own bookshelf, I have about 32 books about our marriage. You know, how do you handle your money in marriage? How do you have better sex in marriage? How do you fight fairly? How do you communicate? What are the five love languages and how do they work in your marriage? You know, I have book after book after book. And I just thought we don't need one more. But uh, then again, my publisher was like, well, think about it. You have this scripture prayer thing that you, Jody, are passionate about. What does God have to say about how we deal with our parents and in-laws, about how we communicate, how we listen well, how we forgive, what kind of legacy we want to leave, what kind of message our marriage should send, all of those things. I thought, you know what? The Bible does talk a lot about that. God is a God of romance. He's a God who invented marriage. Hmm. And yeah, I want to write that book. So I dug into it and I'll tell you, my passion for it developed as I was writing it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I thought I knew what I was doing saying, okay, let's write about, uh, you know, how we can be more kind in our marriage. Let's write about the wisdom we need or how to be humble, how to serve one another in love. All of these things I thought mattered and they do matter. But what God really showed me in writing it, and I sometimes get a little teary even thinking about this, is that one of the reasons, or maybe even the reason he loves marriage so much is that that covenant relationship is a reflection of the gospel, of the fact that he gave his life for us. And that every time in a marriage, we choose to give up something, our our right to be right in an argument, you know, our, our desire to, you know, sleep in instead of getting up with the baby or the dog when we get up instead to let our spouse do that. Every time we yield, any of our desires or or our rights or privileges or any of that on behalf of the other to serve the other. We lay down our life. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, walk in love 
giving yourselves up for one another, just as in Christ, God, you know, gave himself for you. We get to partake of the gospel. We get to have that little sliver of um, identification and fellowship with Christ saying, I'm living this out. And for me, when I see my flawed human marriage, you know, doing that, give, you know, when Robbie and I choose to give ourselves for one another, when we try, choose to serve one another, when we choose to do the Philippians two thing and in humility, consider others better than yourself, I get to have a greater appreciation of an understanding of what Jesus did for us. And that's just made both my marriage more special to me and my relationship with the Lord more special because I'm like, wow, what I'm doing in this pale reflection, God, you did in fullness and in abundance. And wow, am I thanking you? So that's, I would say that really came alive to me in working on the book of how many ways in marriage day in and day out, you know, Ephesians 5 starts out saying walk in love. And then it says, Ephesians 516, make the most of every opportunity. You're like, okay, I got a hundred opportunities every day in marriage to live this out. Then verse 18 says, and be filled with the spirit. And you go, oh, okay. So that's how I do it is I take the spirit, Holy Spirit's help because I'm not in my own Jody burnt ability. I can't be kind all the time. I can't mm. be patient. I can't be forgiving all the things we know as Christians, we should do. Even non-Christians can say, yeah, I should be kind and patient to my spouse. But we can't always do that. We're selfish creatures. And yet, Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. We can because the Holy Spirit does that in us and it gives us the power to do it. Mm, That is so good. And I love one of the things that you say really early on in the book is um, because I am sure that there is somebody out there who picks up this book and is like this. This is going to be the thing that fixes my marriage, that fixes my (laughs) spouse. I am going to fix him because that's what women do. And even men and husband, like many husbands are fixers. And you talk very early on about how this is not a book about fixing your spouse. This is not a book about fixing your marriage. It is a book about just bringing your cares, bringing your floating axe heads to God, bringing your questions to God. And so how do you, like, what is your encouragement to people who kind of maybe have that mindset going in? How do you help them release that (laughs) and realize what it, what praying scriptures over your marriage is actually about? Mm, Love that. I love that. Well, I, I wrestled with that one myself early on in our marriage, we came to marriage. And I don't tell the story really in the book, but I had a dad who was super helpful with everything around the house. You know, he'd buy the groceries, he'd help in the kitchen, uh, clean up the dinner, set the table. He was, that was just how it worked for my parents. Robbie had a dad who worked really hard, you know, left their house before dawn in the morning, got home pretty late. He had dinner with them a lot of times, but it wasn't like Mr. Household Help. And we got married and of course had really different expectations. I'm like, where's the food? Didn't you go to the store? And he's like, where's the dinner? Haven't you cooked it? You know, and just, so we kind of were months into our marriage, probably both of us thinking, what, why isn't my spouse more like my mom or more like my dad? Or why, why is this feeling so different? And I'll tell you, I became, okay, I'll just say it. I became a bit of a nag. You know, why can't you do this? Why can't you help with this? Why aren't you more like my father? And no husband wants to hear that, right? Mm. And I'll remember one time I was in the kitchen just praying about it and talking to God. Really, I say praying. I was complaining. God, why can't you fix him? Why can't you make him be more like this? And I really sensed the Holy Spirit say, Jody, 
if you will quit nagging and start trusting, I can shape your husband into a man, a godly man that is better than anything you could design, even if I gave you a blank check to like create the husband of what you think are your dreams. Right. And I'll tell you what, I resolved right then to try to replace my nagging with trusting. And I will be honest and tell you, it didn't work all the time, but it was a shift in my perspective. And God has been so incredibly faithful. It started the next night, which doesn't often happen when I pray, but Robbie poked his head around our tiny little newlywed kitchen and said, anything I can do to help with dinner. And I burst into tears because we'd been married by that time, almost a year, and he'd never offered that. And I'm sure he was dumbfounded thinking, wow, I've never offered to help. And now I am. And she's crying. You know, what what am I? (laughs) He's thinking, what am I doing wrong? She cries when I don't help. She's crying when I do help. But really, God shifted something in both of us and gave us a heart for serving one another as we Mm. gave him, you know, as we gave him our marriage and our expectations and said, we're not doing this. Can, can you do it? Right. We heard Tony Evans speak actually. Love Uh, him. Love him. I love him. I love him. And he said, you know, he and his wife were playing this game where they'd try to um, serve each other. And he said it it escalated into a contest where they would outserve each other. And he was mad because his wife was so much better and more creative of thinking of ways to be kind and generous to him. And he said, you know, I got to up my game. I got to figure out how I can outserve her. And Robbie and I took that to heart. And then we discovered later, I discovered research as I was working on the book that when you purpose to be kind intentionally to your spouse, when you decide that you want to serve them and put their needs ahead of your own, that creates what they call an upward spiral of, of generosity, of virtue. And it's something that experts have agreed, you know, can really glue a couple together, can create a climate in which love can flourish. So I would say for the person who's listening, thinking, I need God to fix my spouse, start by demonstrating kindness and service on your own. And when you do that over a long period of time, that will create in that person the desire to do that back. You know, it's something I don't, I can't explain it in human terms. You know, and it's like it's it, the financial thing when you talk about giving and how financial giving can actually free you from worry and fear about finances. And you go, wait, how does that work? Because when you give money away, you always have less of it. So that seems like it would create more worry. And yet it's an acknowledgement of trusting God. Mm-hmm. And that very acknowledgement banishes the worry and the fear. So I think sometimes there are things that don't add up logically, like serving your spouse. How's that going to help? It is going to help because it's going to make them want to love you back. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you shared that and love love Tony Evans. Love him. But I remember something and I say this with all humility and that, you know, we've been together 13 years. We've been married for 11. I know that we are nowhere near being married almost 38 years. But we've, you know, we've been through some things. We've had yeah, financial yeah. struggles. We have lost, um, we've experienced grief. We've, you know, lost pregnancies. And we've had a lot of things that have put us through the ringer. But I can honestly say that, like, those things made our marriage so much stronger. And, you know, I don't remember a lot of things from our premarital counseling. But I do remember we both remember this um, in our premarital counseling. This was maybe a month before we were getting married. We were sitting down with the couple at our church who kind of, you know, did the, the premarital counseling ministry and the wife who I still call a friend to this day. Um, her name is Fran. She said to me, you know, at the end of the day, if the only thing you remember is this, no marriage ever failed that has had two 
people committed to spending every day trying to out love the other. Wow. And she just said, find me a couple that has gotten divorced where the two of them were committed to out loving the other person every single day. She goes, "You, you won't be able to find one. And so I took that to heart. And my husband did too. And we don't get it right every day. Um, we certainly, there are certainly some days where I'm like, man, I really should have loved him a little bit more today or, you know, vice versa. But I can honestly say that that is something that we are really strive to do and has been a strength of our, our marriage. And, you know, we don't, I mean, we, we disagree, but we don't really fight because I think we come to disagreements in love with each other and we have fun together and we flirt in front of our kids and we, you know, he grabs my butt and we kiss in front of our kids, you know, and our kids are like, oh, gross mom, dad, you know, and so, but it's like that we want our children to see that and to, to model, um, you know, and I want, my own kids when they get married someday to have that kind of marriage that they just just love oozes out of them. And um, anyway, so I love that story because that really is something that we've taken to heart. And I love the idea of out serving one another. And I think that that goes hand in hand with out loving one another. Yeah. And you touched on another really important thing, just prioritizing your marriage, because, Mm -hmm. you know, I think so often kids come along and you think, okay, let me put my spouse on hold, or at least on the back burner. He'll wait, she'll wait because the, you know, baby's not sleeping through the night. The two-year-old is, you know, having a tantrum. The elementary school kid doesn't have friends. The teenager's Mm -hmm. going through rebellion, whatever it is, there's never going to be a season when the kid's don't have the potential to take every inch of the radar screen of your lives. And you have got to be so intentional about prioritizing your marriage. And the more you do it in front of the kids, like you guys are saying, even though they're saying, ooh, gross, he's kissing her. The more you do it in front of the kids, the more that sets them up for a life of security because you know, I, I write in the book, my mom had this cross stitch thing on the kitchen wall that said the greatest thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. Yeah. And I remember being a teenager looking at that and thinking, oh my gosh, my mom put that up like a motivational poster to make my dad nicer to her. You know, I, I rolled my eyes thinking it was silly. But then as I grew and headed into my own marriage and saw what the research says about functional, healthy families, the greatest thing we can do for our kids really is to love and to prioritize one another. There's so much truth in that little cross-stitch sampler, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. Well, when we had our uh, 10-year anniversary last year, um, we I, I surprised my husband by um, arranging a surprise vow renewal on our front porch, um, with, just with our pastor and our kids, and that was it. And I, you know, I didn't want it to be a big thing. Um, he didn't know it was just after church one Sunday, and I had our pastor come over, and and we we you know renewed our vows with our kids. And, you know, and some people thought, said, well, that, that's kind of silly. And I said, it, to me, it wasn't. And in the end, like, I'm really glad we did it because our kids were there and they were able to hear those vows that we said before they were born, um, yeah. you know, and reaffirm our commitment to one another. And also too, like, like I said, we've had a lot happen in the last 10 years with a lot of grief, a lot of ups and downs, you know, and then we moved to this farm and we've, you know, we really see the, the farm as kind of our, the beginning of the rest of our lives. Cause 
I plan on being buried here. Like I don't have, you know, I want to be 95 and be sitting on the front porch with sweet tea. I don't drink sweet tea now, but maybe I will when I'm 95. I don't know. I think that's what you do in the South is you sit on your porch and you that's drink sweet tea. That's what they say. I know. I don't they, care for it either, but I felt say. like a, you know, a fraud as a Southerner when we lived in Atlanta and I wasn't drinking it. I know, so I get you. People are always like, do you not drink sweet tea? I'm like, no, I don't. It's gross. No. Uh, but, uh, you know, and so I, I wanted that to be kind of a hallmark moment of our marriage and I wanted our kids to see that. And, um, and so I think that's important. And I, I love couples that I know there are a couple couples that, uh, that I know that, you know, re kind of read their vows to one another every year on their anniversary, or they do, you know, a big celebration at 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, or whatever. Or, or maybe you've, when you kind of get on the other side of maybe a hurdle in your marriage and you're like, let's, let's hit a reset button. Um, that's, that's so important and, and so vital um, in your yeah. marriage. Yeah. So, so good. What if, because I know that this can be awkward, praying together for some reason, I mean, let's be honest, like my husband has seen me birth children. We, there is no secrets <laughs> in our yep. marriage. There is, they, he knows all of me. I know all of him, all the things <laughs> you just, you get to a point where you sometimes look at your spouse and you go, is this what you envisioned when you said for better or for worse? Cause this right here, this is about as low as it's going to get right here. Yeah. This right here. Like when I had the stomach bug a couple weeks ago and it was just, it was a bad situation. Let's just say. And I said to my husband, like, is this what you envisioned when you said in sickness and in health? <laughs> uh, it really puts your marriage for the, to the test. But for some reason, praying with your spouse can be awkward. And so for the person who either says, maybe my spouse doesn't want to pray, maybe this just feels awkward or uncomfortable, how do you work through that? Yeah, that's a really good question. One of the ones that I hear most often, because you say for the person who's listening, but I would say for the people who are listening, because I am sure that for most of us, this is a question. Um, and for Robbie Amides, you know, here I'm writing this book and he would say to me, and I tell this in the introduction, you know, I'd like to pray with you more, but it just feels awkward. I mean, we are two different people with two different personalities and two very different prayer styles. I like to keep a journal, write things down. He can pray in his head silently and mm-hmm. just remember stuff two years later, you know, yeah. five years later. And so we, we do have very different styles um, and some things that have helped us, a couple of them are just the very simple tools that I share in the book. And people can download a 31-day prayer calendar where just every day of the month, there's a different topic with a short prayer. Like today, uh, let's see, you said we would be, um, I'll just pull one off of uh, the 26th, say that's for generosity. And the verse there that you can just pray is out of 1 Timothy 6.18. May we do good, being rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. Hmm. Like that is literally something Robbie and I might never think to pray about. You know, maybe when it's stewardship season at church and we're thinking about what we want to give or something. I don't know, but we honestly would consciously never wake up one day and go, let's pray about our generosity. But we have this 31 day prayer calendar on our fridge. And on the 26th, we might just look at it and go, you know what, let's do ask God, according to first Timothy, let's just say, may we do good, be rich in good deeds, generous and willing to share. And that is such an easy Mm. prayer that even if you have never prayed in your entire life, you know, maybe you've said, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for the food, (laughs) you know, great. But you can move into something like this and take a scripture, turn it into a prayer like that. And in one sentence, You have invited God into your marriage, into your thoughts about your giving, 
you know, and, and you're living into your, your concept of generosity. And it's just taken a minute. And mm-hmm. so I am all about making prayer doable for people who've been walking with God their whole lives. Maybe they just want a, a refresher or something, a, a new way to pray, or somebody who's kind of brand new to it, or somebody who's not really willing. Um, Robbie and I taught marriage courses for years, and we would have 24 couples or 25 couples in this room, candlelit tables, heads together, one-on-one, perfect venue, we thought, for praying together at the end of the class, but not everybody wanted to. And that was obvious. And so we just said, you know, put your heads together. Here's some prayer prompts. But you know what? If that's not something that flies in your marriage, that is fine. That does not mean you all don't love each other. That doesn't mean you don't have a great marriage. So how about this? Take that guilt and shame off that, you know, could come with, I don't know how to pray and just say to each other in that quiet of your own table, you know, what's something I can do to support you this week? Or what is one thing I might do to let you know you're loved? Mm. And honestly, those simple questions in a marriage, how can I love you? How can I support you? Malachi 3.16 says that those who feared the Lord, those who honored the Lord talked with each other and God listened and heard. And you better believe God is listening in on our conversations in our marriage. And when we begin to speak in that language of love, of how can I support you? How can I love you? He knows the cry of our hearts. He can receive that as a prayer. So even if we're not intentionally sitting down, taking hold of one another's hands saying, let's pray, I think that that is an entry point for the Holy Spirit to come in and say, look, they're talking about supporting each other. They're talking about loving each other. I'm the Holy Spirit living in their hearts and I'm crying out for their marriage. God, this is a climate in which love can flourish and which prayer may actually begin to be able to take root in a small way that can grow and that can flourish. Man, I love how practical and simple you make it. And and it's us who we tend to overcomplicate things. It's just yeah. we, we think, oh, well, I have to pray. And so I've got to use really fancy words. I've got to sit and I've got to hold both hands with my husband. We have to look at each other. We have to close our eyes and we have to say these super holy, extra holy words and, and really craft the perfect prayer when it's like, no, 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 this is just this is a conversation. Sometimes it's between you and God. Sometimes it's between your spouse and God. Sometimes it's between the both of you and God and you just take it to him and it doesn't have to be this. Um, and sometimes like I, I love somebody said to me, like when you don't know what to pray, just say like, Lord, I don't know what to pray. And so you know the desires of my heart. You know what is deep within the recesses of my mind and my soul and my body. And Lord, hear my prayers. Um, I think actually it's in uh, First Kings or maybe Second Kings where King Jehoshaphat is like going to battle. And uh, I think it's King Jehoshaphat. He's going to battle. And he even says, he prays out, he cries out to the Lord. And he's like, Lord, I don't know what we need, but you do. And so it's just that moment of, I don't know what I need, but you do. And so having the humility to say that together when you don't know what to pray um, is so key. Yeah. 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 And I want to mention too, um, I have these conversation cards because again, this was an area where for, for Robbie and me, and I looked at my kids and their marriages and it is hard sometimes to know what to pray about or how to get started. And so I, after the book was finished, I actually went back and pulled out from each chapter um, some questions for reflection or discussion, and then a one sentence prayer. And I shaped them into 20 different conversation cards. Mm-hmm. So you could just have them in your purse. So we're in, when you're on a date night or on a car trip somewhere, you pull out the one on having fun together, for example, and I don't have it in front of me, but you know, it, it probably has a question on it. Like, 
what's one thing you'd like to do that might surprise me, you Mm -hmm. know, or when's the last time you thought we had a really fun time together? And that could just spark a conversation. And then there's a prayer on that card. And again, it's not in front of me, so I don't know what prayer is on that particular having fun card, but it might be something like Psalm um, 16, you know, fill us with joy in your presence, you know, a prayer for joy there so that you can not only talk about having fun together, but that you can just invite God in and ask him to fill your hearts, to fill your marriage with joy. So how do you... For somebody who may be new to the Praying Through the Scriptures series, maybe this is the very first time they've picked up one of your books, or they're just new to this in general, How? what is your vision for how couples use this as a resource? Is it they sit and they read the chapter together and then they pray together? Or how how do you best you know envision yeah. or, 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 or see couples using it in their marriages? Well, um, yeah, ideally, you know, the couple sits down and reads it and they carve out a half an hour to read the chapter and then go through all the discussion questions and the 12 prayers at the end together every day. (laughs) But we know that's not the real life we live in. So I tried to make it again, super doable. Every chapter starts not with a Bible verse, but with a joke, because I wanted right away for people to just exhale, to relax, to be like, this is a really important thing for our intimacy, both with one another and with God, but let's enjoy it. You know, so, so there's a little joke there. And then each chapter does have stories of real life couples who have struggled, who know what it's like to press through some of the hard places and their topics are, uh, do have, you know, you say you've lost a child. I've, I've interviewed other folks who went through that in their marriage, talked to people where infidelity was an issue, mm. um, financial hardships, all of these things. Anyway, so you'll find a chapter and you can go from beginning to end and just read all 20 in order. Or you can say, you know what? I am not liking my mother-in-law right now. Let us read the chapter on dealing with parents and in-laws, pray through that. So you can read the chapter. And then at the end, as I said, there are some questions for reflection, for discussion. That's where if your spouse is open to talking with you about it, great, go through those. If they're not, you just talk to the Lord about it. Maybe journal out some thoughts, ask the Holy Spirit to show you some things maybe you need to know about whatever the particular topic is. So you can do that together or alone. And then again, every chapter ends with 10 or 12 scripture verses that pertain to that topic. You can pick one. That's what Robbie and I have done. We're just picking one to pray out of each chapter right now. Or you can say, you know what? Let's take all 12 of these and just maybe do one a day in the next two weeks, whatever it is. So people can adapt it to work to their own uh, schedule, their own personality and style. But I really wanted it to make be something that would make talking to one another and talking to the Lord easier to do. Okay, as we're beginning to wrap up here, and I'm just thinking about uh, just the the depth of wisdom, the deep well of wisdom that you have, and I know you are not an expert, and I, uh, I'm, I'm saying I'm not saying you're an expert, um, but I would just love for you to share, and I'm kind of asking this question selfishly, is as somebody who's been married almost 38 years, and I know we kind of talked about, you know, out loving one another and thing, and out serving one another. What has been something that has been transformative in your own marriage? And um, I know every marriage is different, but just something that you maybe have learned over the decades that you did not realize or you did not know when you first got married that, um, that you had to learn and that has been transformative for the both of you. Wow, gosh, so many different ways to answer that. And, and definitely that idea 
of serving one another being transformational because we get married thinking, oh, this person's going to make me happy. They're going to make me whole. And, you know, they may do that, but also we, you know, we can't put that burden on our spouse and, and on our marriage. But I would say one other thing is realizing that we change, you know, and and we laughed about that earlier. Um, And the old joke goes when the bride's walking down the aisle, the husband, the groom's looking at her thinking, wow, look how beautiful she is. I hope she never changes. And and the bride's looking up the aisle at him and thinking, gosh, he's got so much potential. Boy, I think I can work with him and change him. You know, we we look at each other in different ways. But the reality is we do change. And it's been said, you know, we may find ourselves married to what, 21 different people and they're all the same person at the end of the day. And I would say the girl Robbie fell in love with in college was pretty fun. And then the wife who was juggling a career and the need to kind of cook dinners and clean house and all of that was probably a little more, I don't know, a little less fun, even though I'd like to still think we had fun. I had more responsibilities. Then kids came along and I had less time and more worries and And so I think we change with each season, with each uh, hurdle we go through. And you alluded to some of that too, with the hardships you all have faced. And so I think transformative for us has been learning to love and care for one another in sort of each new iteration and realizing that, okay, just because, just because you have the stomach bug, like you said earlier, that doesn't mean, oh gosh, that's not what I envisioned. That means, wow, this does look differently, but look at what this new opportunity is to present for me to love and serve my spouse and for me to trust God and for me to do what exactly your friend Fran said, to outlove one another. So I think to be aware that that we are going to change, but that we can, as we try to outlove one another, we can, those changes can be really good things. They can be catalysts for growth and grace in our marriage. Mm, that's so good. Okay. And then question at almost 38 years of marriage, what is the fun thing that you and your husband like to do together? Is there something that you guys have discovered that you just, you really enjoy doing together or just really makes you both laugh? What do you enjoy? Well, uh, you know, I'm ripping off every other grandparent in the world when I say it's been really fun to have grandkids. That's been a, a, that's been a, it is, you know, the hype is real. I didn't believe it, but it is. But we also are huge fans of being on the water. My husband's Mm. a gifted sailor, boater. And so kind of whenever we can get away, we love to do that. Um, I'm pretty useless but I love, you know, <laughs> being on the boat with him. As I love your t- honesty. <laughs> telling me what to do, you know, so I'm, I'm good at following his commands. So we do have a good time together. Oh, I love that. I love that because I'm always just, you know, I always like to just know what, what are the things yeah. you guys do together? So something that my husband Yeah, but now have- that I'm, now that I know I want to, you know, win the oldest person on the dance floor, yes! I'm going to work on that. I think that's a great bucket list fun item. We do like dancing together okay. too, although well, we I'll throw start this out, out there. with that. I'll throw this out there. So my husband got this for me for Christmas, or maybe it was our anniversary, probably four years ago. So there is a guy who does, it's like a YouTube class, dance class. It's called, and y'all are going to make fun of it, maybe, because it's a little bit of a cheesy name, but it's called Show Her Off. 
show her off dance lessons. I am writing this down okay. right now I'm, on my little pad. This isn't like sponsored or anything. Okay. This is a gift my husband <laughs> got. And so, and it's just like a series. And if you've never danced before, or if yeah. you're like an experienced dancer, but they just teach you basic kind of, it's essentially like country, like yeah. Western yeah. style dancing, but with lots of like turns and dips and, yeah. um, sure. and it starts from the very beginning of you just learn like the infinity loop, which looks very fancy to all the way to like, there are some dance moves. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. That's never going to happen. Like, I'm not going to be able <laughs> oh. to do that. Where like, he like lifts you up in your leg and I'm like, mm, yeah, mm, no, <laughs> Maybe when we first got married, I could have done that, but not after all these children. Um, oh, this is good. It's I so am going to fun, and you can do it in your living room. Yep, yep. So well, good. you read the book, you may know, or maybe you have, but you haven't gotten this chapter. Um, the chapter on conflict begins with a huge fight we had over this very thing. I wanted to dance; he did not want to dance with me in front of all these people who were. <laughs> this thing and it escalated in a way that I look back and I'm so not proud of but it's in the conflict chapter so I'm not going to spoil it for your listeners but if you get the book look up our fight on dancing I love it (laughs) well I'm telling you so it's it's great because again my husband is not somebody who would like categorize himself as a dancer but it was really fun and we would do an at-home date night and we would make dinner together and then we would do a little dance lesson because they they're pretty short and easy and then we would just pick a couple songs and dance to them and um, they're really fun so that's that's one of the things we did and then now my we're both very musical but I had never learned any really any instruments and so I picked up guitar this year and so now we play guitar together and we sing together and we (laughs) lead worship together on our worship team and it's just so much fun and I just I'm like why didn't I do this sooner so yeah I I just thought I'd share that to you know because that is awesome I love it I love it it. I love it well Jody this has been absolutely a treat a treasure for the listeners please go get Jody's book any of her books Um, she's got so many so um, Jody thank you for the work that you are doing thank you for what you're putting out there thank you for your ministry and I just really pray that these uh that this book and and all of your books just continue to just to impact so many people in their lives oh thank you very much for that that's kind I love Jody so much. Like I said, she's so wise and I really loved getting to know her and she's funny and kind and I think the world of her and I hope that you loved this conversation. I would love to know what you learned. Please let us know on social media. You can find me at still being Molly or at can I laugh pod on Instagram and make sure you head over to whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on and click that subscribe or follow button. And would you take a moment to leave a review because it really does help us to know what you're liking and how the show's impacting you. As always, thank you for listening. Thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing the show. And for you, I hope something this week makes you laugh till you cry. We'll see you next week. Bye.